Shameless Media. writer can create an entire universe with nothing more than words. But what happens when real life is even more outrageous than a story in a book? Welcome to Stranger Than Fiction, where we investigate the intriguing world of writers and the bizarre reality behind some of the world's most famous stories. I'm your host, Eilish Gilligan, and today I am joined by Shameless Media co-founder and Melbourne writer, Michelle Andrews. It's been too long, Eilish. I fucking love this show. (laughs) I am so lucky to be back in this chair because I love this. Caroline Calloway is the kind of, I feel like I'm semi-invested and like Mm. I've been semi-involved, but I feel like there are big chunks of info missing. So I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. We are going to fill in all of those chunks of info today. Like you said, today we are covering influencer Caroline Calloway, writer Natalie Beach, and the tell-all essay that blew their long-standing <laughs> rivalry right open. I forgot about the Natalie Beach bit. So I know you know who Caroline Calloway is, yes. obviously, but we do have to introduce her to the listeners who might not know who she is. So Caroline Calloway first rose to internet fame in 2013. She was an early early adopter of Instagram and she carefully documented her dream life studying art history at Cambridge on the platform. Honestly, she was one of the very first influencers before influencers as we know them now were a thing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't follow her when she was an influencer. I only found out about her when she made like headlines around the world. But Mm -hmm. I remember people being like, the OG influencer who made long poetic lyrical captions a thing, like put long captions on the map. Exactly. So one thing you need to know about Caroline from the get-go is that her life's ambition was slash is to be a famous memoirist. Specifically, she wants to be a memoirist, not just an author. Okay. Niche. (laughs) Very niche. She wanted to be a memoirist more than anything. To that end, it wasn't her photos that were popular with her audience on Instagram. Like you say, it was actually her lengthy confessional captions that she was best known for. She wrote about her time at college, presenting a very idealised version of her life as an American studying at Cambridge. She also wrote quite a lot about her boyfriend at the time, Oscar. Here's an example of one of those captions. I was interested in absolutely everything about Oscar. Just looking at his face was interesting. The way Oscar sat on grass, interesting. How he blinked in sunlight, interesting. Boyfriend material. (laughs) (laughs) How does one blink in sunlight in a way that makes them boyfriend material? Caroline is a dreamer. She, um, <laughs> I would say Taylor Swift romanticizes her life and then Caroline Calloway like goes 10,000 steps beyond that. That is a great summation of what she's like. <laughs> that caption's not finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about his blinking patterns. <laughs> she goes on. If you've forgotten what it feels like to have a crush, let me remind you. It feels like you fucking invented crushes. Honestly, and I have felt this throughout the entire research process of this episode, Caroline Calloway can write. Mm. And I really want everyone to keep that in mind. She is a good writer. Mm. Her captions were like little vignettes, little pockets of prose. So by 2015, 23-year-old Caroline Calloway had 300,000 followers on Instagram. Wow. 
a lot for 2015, right? People love that blinking stuff. Yeah. They really got around it. <laughs> they love it. And now that social media and the influencer market had been properly introduced, news outlets started to notice Caroline's unique Instagram presence. Her Instagram account and her trademark lengthy captions were covered by the likes of USA Today, Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Business Insider and more. Off the back of this coverage, Caroline landed a coveted deal with hotshot literary agent Bird Leval, as per Vox. When Callaway was on the come up, the idea of writing a blog post in an Instagram caption was new and fresh. It made her appear almost uniquely vulnerable. She was just a girl. She seemed to be telling her followers trying to make it through their life in the beautiful, dangerous world. And her followers could come along into that world with her. They could be her best friends. With her agent's help, Caroline's book proposal went to auction on the publishing circuit. Essentially, this book proposal represented Caroline's goal to publish a memoir, loosely based on the content and format of her famous Instagram captions and her time spent studying at Cambridge. According to Caroline, the publisher Flatiron Books offered her a book deal for a reported half a million dollars Whoa. in 2015. Oh my God. Yeah. Now, I want to flag here. Caroline's information about this book deal kind of fades in and out. Okay. We get different numbers, we get different time frames, we oh. get different names. She loves to use pseudonyms for people when she writes. Okay. So it becomes a little bit confusing when she starts talking about this book deal. So the half a million figure, where did that come from? I'm about to tell you. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Caroline has said in later captions, essays and interviews that she received $100,000 of this deal up front. Yep, that makes sense. So we don't know that Caroline's overall book deal was worth $500,000 exactly, but we do know for sure that the deal was significant as per the trade publication publisher's marketplace at the time. So according to Vox, this would place the deal somewhere within the $251,000 to $500,000 range. Well, I was going to say, I've signed two book deals in my life. Mm -hmm. They've both been structured the same way, but they were with the same publisher. So I know there could be... A little bit of movement on this. This is just a rough guide for anyone who's curious and listening. It's typically broken up into three installments that are mm -hmm. roughly equal. The last installment ends up, I think, being very, very slightly more. So there's installment one when you sign the deal, installment two when you submit the draft of the book, and yep. installment three when it is published, I believe, or when it goes to the printing press. I actually can't remember. But if she's getting 100000 my rough guess is it's actually a $300,000 deal. I actually think you're on the money there. Which also makes sense because as a book publisher, if I'm looking at someone with 300,000 followers, to be honest, the maths would be kind of simple. I'd be like, that's the audience size. That's the advance. That's incredible insight. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so this deal was inked sometime around mid-2015, but it's hard to say exactly when because around this time and in what would become classic Caroline fashion, she preemptively announced that she had signed a book deal on her website and her agent had to come out and clarify that the book proposal was actually still at auction. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. Yep. Yeah. Again, this is a pattern. Mm. However, when the deal was signed with Flatiron, things started to go a little pear-shaped. Why was that? <laughs> <laughs> so nearly two years passed since the deal was finalised. Caroline was paid her advance, which was that $100,000 figure, and no book 
ever materialized. Mm. And people started to wonder if, in fact, there ever would be a book from Caroline, the person who says she wants to be a memoirist more than anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) After many Instagram captions alluding to her ill-fated book deal, one such caption read... I'm going to teach you how to get a book deal in the most self-harming, reckless way a 23-year-old can. In September of 2017, Caroline officially announced that she was, quote, no longer interested in writing the book that she had sold for a reported half a million dollars. In Caroline Calloway's defence... Uh, Maybe a 23-year-old, like what you want at 23 compared to what you want at 24 can be vastly different things. If I was given this opportunity so young, I can guarantee 12 months later I would have felt like a different person. 23 is the weirdest age in the world. It is a really weird age and I am going to be doing a lot of, quote, in defense of Caroline Calloway. (laughs) (laughs) Caroline Calloway fan club, bring it on. So in an Instagram caption around this time, she wrote, Starting now... This love story I've been telling you on Instagram will also be a true story in all of the ways, not just the ways I think publishers will buy. It's a love story about a girl and her creativity. I really wanted to include this quote in particular as an example of Caroline's writing style. It's very flowery, very indulgent, and sometimes truly brilliant. Yeah. But it's also very dense and often a little obtuse and vague. (laughs) She also gets quite vague when it comes to writing about things that she's accused of doing that might be a little bit wrong, like accepting a book deal and never writing the book. (laughs) So around this time, Caroline also shared that now that she didn't want to write the book, she now owed her publisher the $100,000 of her advance that she had already been paid. It does work that way, yes. (laughs) And she has already spent it. She mentioned that her publisher were being, quote, super understanding. She says, just to be clear, my publishers are being so cool about everything. I think Flatiron Books understands that a 25-year-old doesn't have $125,000 lying around. It's not me versus them. We're on the same team. As I mentioned earlier, Caroline cannot keep this figure straight. She cannot keep any figures straight. So if you get a little confused, don't worry, we're all confused. Mm. Sometimes, according to Caroline, she says this figure is $100,000. Sometimes it's $125,000. Sometimes it's $165,000. It's all just kind of a part of the story. So Caroline, regardless of what the actual figure was, she's found herself in a really tricky spot. She needs to pay her publisher back around $100,000, which, in my opinion, sparked a series of money-making schemes on Caroline's behalf. Mm. I wonder what was going on in Caroline's head to say, I'm actively spending all of these dollars while also knowing that I probably don't want to do that little book thing anymore. Look, I understand her saying the book I wanted to write is no longer the book I wanted to write. I mean, we hear about it all the time from authors who begin one project and then actually flip and decide, no, that's not the book I want to write at all. I actually think a good example of this is the Rachel incident that we covered this year. Caroline O'Donoghue had written almost an entire other book for a publisher, Mm -hmm. turned around and said, actually, no, I'm stopping and I'm writing this new thing. I think the publisher would be understanding if Caroline turned around and said, it's not that book, but it is this one now. How do you feel about this? Yeah. You can't just take a hundred thousand dollars or 125 or 160 and then be like, I'm not doing anything. Like, why didn't she just change the idea and write something she was passionate about? And then this wouldn't have been an issue. It feels absurd to me. It's these kinds of decisions that make Caroline such a fascinating figure mm. to look at. So one of these money-making schemes garnered quite a bit of attention online. Do you know what I'm talking about? I remember 
this might be fuzzy. It's fuzzy in my head, but hosting events around America mm-hmm. where people would pay obscene amounts to attend. I believe flower crowns might have been involved. Yes, yes. And I believe there was also a keepsake with sand in it. Yeah, I'm actually fascinated by what you can recall about this because it went viral at the time. And what Caroline was offering to people was something that she called a creativity workshop. Yep. Now, this is its own episode. We cannot get into (laughs) what the creativity workshop really was from start to finish, but we're going to give you a Sparknotes version of it right now. In December 2018, when Caroline was around 27 years old, she announced a series of creativity workshops. Here's what she promised. Every attendee would receive a home-cooked meal, handwritten and personalised letters, a mason jar floral arrangement. That's what I was remembering. (laughs) Real flower crowns (laughs) that attendees would make together and a four-hour seminar, which was to include, as per W Magazine, quote, lectures on topics like physical and mental health, discovering your voice, harnessing your creativity and getting over heartbreak. It's actually way more woo-woo than I remember. Yeah. Like that's quite, well, not woo-woo, overly wholesome. Like it's saccharine. This is a saccharine event. Oh, absolutely. It's very feminine. It's Mm. very pretty and it's very sweet. So tickets were priced at $165 US each. I can't figure out exactly how many people bought tickets, but she definitely sold out at least one 45-person capacity venue in New York. So people were buying tickets. In short, these workshops were completely doomed from the start (laughs) (laughs) because unfortunately, much like with her book, Caroline did not prepare for them in any real tangible way. (laughs) So here's what went wrong. Although these events were listed as being four hours long, the first hour of this workshop was actually billed as a meet and greet where Caroline would not be in attendance because she didn't want to pull focus. She originally planned to visit a whole bunch of different cities in the US and Europe, but after several events went on sale, she quickly changed all of her workshops locations to New York City instead. (laughs) I love this. After polling her Instagram audience on this choice, I remember this. When she asked the audience whether they thought this was a good idea on Instagram, she did not include a poll option to say no. (laughs) (laughs) So to retrace, people have bought tickets. Like say, to give the Australian version, (laughs) <laughs> a Sydney influencer is selling tickets to their event for 165 bucks In Melbourne, she's saying she's coming to Melbourne. I'm buying a Melbourne ticket. She then puts a poll up and says, hey, I'm thinking of moving all of the events to Sydney. For those ticket holders, you now have to come to Sydney. Are you vibing with this? And then giving like, yes. And then like, yes in blue or something stupid. <laughs> And then when people clicked those buttons, she then followed up with another story to say, well, emphatically, people want me to do this, so I simply must move all the events to Sydney. It's so audacious. Like, this is kind of why I love her, because she's just so herself. The OG girl boss. Yeah, truly. (laughs) So it didn't take long for fans who attended the workshops to jump on social media to express their immediate disappointment as well. To be fair, not all the fans were disappointed, I will say, again, in Caroline's defense. According to one fan who attended a workshop, they said, I went to her workshop and was highly disappointed. No handwritten notes, no flower crowns, only about 1.5 hours maximum of actual teaching, if you can even call it that. Caroline cancelled and then uncancelled her tour over the course of like two days. Mm. I mean, 
honestly, this isn't even everything. But <laughs> this is just, like I said, the spark notes of the creativity workshops. The point is that it was utter chaos and it went totally viral. A Twitter thread documenting Caroline's Instagram activity in the lead up to the workshop went very, very viral, which was like the touchstone for all these other news articles and mm. online activity, which took Caroline from Instagram famous to mainstream news story for all the wrong reasons. Also, side note, Caroline also made and sold a T-shirt that said, stop hate following me, Kaylee, directed at the author of this Twitter thread. <laughs> I do. Re- uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 Which, honestly, that is kind of girl boss. <laughs> Stop hate following me, Kaylee. In the light of these failed creativity workshops, which were described by the New York Times as, quote, so ludicrous that it reads to any reasonable observer like a piece of performance art, <laughs> Caroline was widely labelled a scammer and subsequently started merchandising the word scammer for herself. She is nothing if not innovative. <laughs> The high-profile nature of the creativity workshops also prompted a lot of people to dig further into Caroline's backstory, including that failed book deal. People had questions. And there was one person from Caroline's past who actually had a lot of answers. We're at the Natalie bit. We're going to find out about Natalie after the break. Oh, my God, nice. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. Tell me, tell me about Natalie. Okay, so on September 10, 2019, a few months after the Creativity Workshop saga, The Cut ran a personal essay from writer Natalie Beach titled I Was Caroline Calloway, which ran with the blurb, seven years after I met the infamous Instagram star, I'm ready to tell my side of the story. (laughs) Good hook. (laughs) Give it to me. Inject it into my veins. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. Caroline's followers and her many hate followers who had gathered after the creativity workshops knew this piece was coming because Caroline told them herself. Yes, the cut reached out to Caroline to fact check this essay before it was published. And Natalie personally emailed her about it as well, which prompted Caroline to make several, specifically more than two dozen posts about her and Natalie on Instagram before we'd even had a chance to read the piece. A preemptive strike. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how Caroline approached her response to this essay. By posting relentlessly about it before it landed, she created hype for it and therefore hype, mystique and legend around herself as the main character of this story. We're going to get into like what exactly she posted in a second, but I think I just needed to flag that before we get into the contents of the essay. Stunning. So why was this essay such a big deal? Why did people care about what Natalie had to say about Caroline? (laughs) Who is Natalie Beach? So it turns out that for her part, Natalie was pretty adamant that she was the real talent. Something of a... (laughs) (laughs) Random? Yeah. Okay. Something like a ghostwriter behind the Instagram captions and behind the book proposal that Caroline Calloway had secured back in her Cambridge days. I had forgotten about this part of the story. Mm-hmm. In, Hence the title, I am Caroline Calloway. Exactly. Mm. In this lengthy essay, Natalie explained that she and Caroline met in an NYU creative nonfiction class when they were two students around 20 years old. So this is before Caroline actually transferred to Cambridge. Yeah. As per the essay, 
The point of the class was to learn to write your own story, but from the moment we met, I focused instead on helping her tell her own. First in notes after workshop, then later editing her Instagram captions and co-writing a book proposal she sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. It seems obvious now, the way the story would end, but when I first met Caroline Calloway, all I saw was the beginning of something extraordinary. So this essay is well worth a read, but for the sake of time, I'm going to attempt to summarise it and the important revelations within. In the essay, Natalie described how she and Caroline became friends and what kind of friend she really was. Quote, To my other friends, I'd describe her as someone you couldn't count on to remember a birthday, but the one I'd call if I needed a black market kidney. <sighs> it's so it's such a fever dream that this was... Mm-hmm. I love the cut. Obviously, the cut's an offshoot of New York Magazine. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unhinged that this is in the cut. Like, even if she's not a good friend, that's not worthy of the cut publishing a whole story about it. I think you forget what it was like to go viral in 2019. Yeah, you're so right, Eilish. This was like social media virality and making stories out of social media was still so fresh, I think. But where you are so far in the story, I'm not on Team Natalie, which I remember being at the time, but it's weird to kind of have a bit of hindsight. It's just a bit tenuous for someone to say, I was helping her craft her own life story. And I was like, like, I chose to make myself fascinated with her story when the task was not that I chose to do this. It's kind of like, well, why are you making yourself Robin instead of making yourself Batman? And do I feel a whole lot of sympathy for that? Period. Like, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Natalie described herself as a conspirator and confidant in Caroline's life at that time. Natalie explained that one year after she and Caroline had met, Caroline began her Instagram journey. Natalie claimed that almost from the very beginning, she and Caroline wrote Caroline's Instagram captions together. You know, the captions that had made her, quote, famous. Natalie claimed that this caption collab agreement arrangement lasted around three months, which was, at least in part, a kind of contra repayment agreement between Natalie and Caroline after Caroline had paid for a flight back to America from the UK to Natalie, for Natalie. Okay. So it's kind of like Natalie is alleging that this was like a bit of a repayment scheme, Mm. but wasn't very clear on all of those details. Mm. Natalie said the pair lost contact for a little while around this time, but she reached back out to Caroline after she heard that she had secured a deal with a very, very fancy book agent. So Natalie and Caroline then worked together on Caroline's book proposal. Natalie suggested that Caroline pay her a 35% cut of the eventual book advance for her contributions, and apparently Caroline agreed to this. But it wasn't like Caroline got a book agent reached out to Natalie. It was vice versa. It kind of feels like Natalie's just wanting to ride her kind of friend's coattails. They hadn't been in contact for months. It sounds like she helped write a couple of Instagram captions and then heard someone got a book deal and tried to jump on it and make some cash for herself. Join me as a Caroline defender. Yeah. (laughs) Telling you. What the fuck? What was wrong with everyone back when this (laughs) happened that we all were like, yeah, Natalie Beach. I don't know. Like if... Anyway, sorry, keep going. I'm feeling a lot of feelings and they're all pro-Caroline right now. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) As per Natalie's essay, quote, For the next two months, I'd wake up at 6am in Sunset Park and write for 90 minutes, usually working off raw notes Caroline sent over for the chapter we were on. 
I'd craft it into a legible narrative, then rush to my landscaping job where, from 8am to 4pm, I'd install tasteful fences and patios for the gentrifiers of Bedsty and Prospect Heights, while Caroline filled in the details. On nights and weekends, we'd meet always at Caroline's. My apartment made her too sad, she told me. My involvement was uncredited, as the entire selling point of Caroline was that she was an ingenue, and ingenues don't have sleep-deprived collaborators living in deep Brooklyn. I knew my job was to be present but invisible, but it still hurt to hear secondhand about the high-powered meetings, the gushing over pages I half wrote. But how could I complain? In the end, Flatiron agreed to pay $375,000 for the book, Okay. a substantial percentage of which, according to a collaboration agreement Caroline had offered me, would be mine. So Natalie alleged that things started to go really wrong around January 2016, when Caroline's growing dependency on Adderall was beginning to cause major problems. So while I was a supporting character in the book, I cast myself as the hero in Caroline's life. I reached out to Cambridge about therapy, spoke with her mum about her prescription pill use. When she wore the same lace gown for two and a half days, even sleeping in it, I forced her into the shower. When she arranged a loose pile of sleeping pills on her nightstand before bed, I swept them into my palm when she wasn't looking. I pulled open her desk drawer to find a pen and empty Adderall capsules skidded around like cockroaches exposed to light. The manuscript was due in six months and my notes were just lists of funny British foods. I began to worry. This feels incredibly invasive. And is half of it relevant, even if it's true? So we might be dealing with someone with addiction issues. Is that really something to pull into, like, what's essentially a piece shit-talking them? I Maybe maybe Caroline did screw this woman out of 35% or whatever she believed she was owed. I don't know that. I don't have the details or the facts in front of me mm-hmm. or the signed agreement. But to bring in whether or not she was not sleeping or not showering for days mm. at a time, that's a person going through a mental health crisis, and I don't know if it's relevant or fair to include. I agree it feels unfair and Caroline's actually written really eloquently about how this made her feel in the years following and honestly after reading what she's had to say I feel I feel for her. I I can't imagine how it would feel to have your mental health just like publicized for everybody like the lowest point in your life you know. Yeah. Natalie also claimed in this essay that it was around this time that Caroline confessed to Natalie that she had bought tens of thousands of followers for her Instagram account to make her look more appealing to publishers Mm. before the Federal Trade Commission published guides for influencers. Now, that's relevant. If that's true, that's a relevant thing to include in the story. So Natalie says she thought this could ruin everything. Mm. We had sold the proposal based off of a false number. Wouldn't there be consequences? If the bedrock of Caroline's Instagram account wasn't true, then was any of it? But to Caroline, the ploy was a statement of intent. She was a self-made woman exploiting a new form of media. Women spend too much time apologising for promoting their work, she told me. Again, kind of period, like yeah. girl boss. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yep, tricky. Natalie claimed that their relationship culminated in a dramatic climax when Caroline unintentionally locked Natalie out of their shared accommodation in Amsterdam, leaving Natalie to roam the streets alone at night. Natalie said she stopped returning Caroline's messages after this incident. 
However, later in that same year, they tried yet again to write the book that had been purchased by Flatiron. Quote, we still had a deadline and we kept trying to write the book together, this time via Skype. We'd stare into each other's pixelated faces as I attempted to coax the sentences out of her. Caroline looked like she was in pain as she wrote, gritting her teeth and turning away from the screen like she was reaching through a blizzard to type. Back in LA, I bought us time with the publishers by writing a quarter of the manuscript myself, but Caroline hated it so much that she threatened suicide if I wrote any more. Caroline clarified to a New York fact checker that she wasn't suicidal because she disliked my writing, but because of her addiction and because she sold a memoir she couldn't write. Mm. Perhaps the most interesting and significant part of this essay is Natalie's attempt to answer the question of how did it all end up like this? How did a college student in her mid-20s convince a massive publisher to pay her hundreds of thousands of dollars and then refuse to deliver a product? (laughs) (laughs) Another quote from Natalie's essay. If it was just money and fame she was after, all she had to do was be quiet and let me do the work. She could have been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, gone on the tour she always wanted, and recorded the audio book in that beguiling voice of hers. But she had to be the one to tell her own life story, even if she couldn't. Caroline was caught between who she was and who she believed herself to be, which in the end may have been the most relatable thing about her. So you do remember this essay, obviously. I do. And now hearing the chunks back, I'm torn between feeling like maybe Natalie was an opportunistic friend who tried to be a bit of a leech on a very healthy looking book deal Mm. or between Natalie being someone who was an authentic collaborator who deserved Mm. to be financially rewarded. I mean, some of those later quotes implied that the publisher Flatiron did know that she was working on this. Yeah, I think there could have actually been a loose kind of written collaboration agreement Mm. contract being thrown around, but I don't think it held much water because Mm. if it did, then... I think this would have been a lot more serious. And wouldn't the money have been coming from Flatiron? It feels odd to me that it would be going Flatiron to Caroline to the ghostwriter. I feel like if this was a properly organised agreement, it would go Flatiron to Natalie Beach. And, Mm. like, I appreciate sometimes we we end up in sticky situations where maybe Caroline was manipulative. Mm. But also Natalie Beach, we're talking about fully grown women. These are, like, 27-year-old women at this point in the story. Yes, Sorry, I I think it's just the tough reality of being an adult sometimes. If you're not getting your own lawyers and your own people to check over this, 27 is a ripe old age. You've got to be accountable for being a bit silly and a bit frivolous and not getting the right kind of paperwork in check. I totally agree. And especially considering the fact that at the time that paperwork would have been thrown around, there would have been about 23. Mm. And I think a big part of approaching 30 is having the self-awareness to be like, you know what, I won't make that mistake again. Yeah, just having the nous to go, and I've, I've done it. Like, obviously, as a co-founder of business, you do find yourself in situations where you wouldn't do that again. Yeah. But there's got to be a level of accountability to say, and I'm the one who got myself there. Exactly. If you're over the age of 20, 21, 22, then like... Sorry, it sucks and it's annoying, but it's not something to run to the like New York magazine about. My hot take is both Natalie and Caroline could use that advice. Yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing. It's like I don't know if there's even a villain and a good guy here. No, They're probably no. both shades of each. Yes. But it's uh, I really, really probably can't forgive the inclusions of the not showering, doing yeah. drugs piece. I agree with you on that. So this essay was the most read piece from the cut for the entire year of 2019. You're kidding. No. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? 
In an indication of just how many readers this essay actually reached, The Cut said that the story of Natalie and Caroline, quote, enraptured millions of people. Many other media outlets ran coverage of this essay, with most opting to publish retrospectives of Caroline and her online presence. For example, BuzzFeed News published, Who is Caroline Calloway and why is everyone talking about her? And Vox's Caroline Calloway, her one-woman firefest and her ex-best friend Natalie explained. (laughs) And also just notice, all of these headlines focus on Caroline. Yeah. No one's being like, who's Natalie Beach? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I feel like I'm being so harsh. (laughs) But there are some people in this life who, like, Caroline has some kind of quality that people find really interesting and engaging, and there's a lot of value in that. Mm. And for Natalie to even want to attach herself to Caroline shows that Natalie was kind of a moth to a flame. She knew that Caroline was this very enigmatic, like, interesting alluring personality and that's just how the world works sometimes yeah to be fair to natalie i think she was self-aware about that like she could see that she was like a moth to a flame with caroline Mm. so some outlets analyzed the relationship between caroline and natalie exploring the heat and drama of early (laughs) 20s female (laughs) friendships and like this vague sapphic quality about them as well yeah and the meta-analysis of why the public cared so much about this story the Washington Post actually suggested that it might be because it gave us someone to judge in Caroline. Yeah. The essay is not so much about blowing up Caroline's career by exposing the fact that she bought followers or that her advance was quite a bit smaller than she had actually said that it was, but it's more about friendship, the feeling of playing second fiddle to someone way more popular, more beautiful, and more charismatic than you are. Yeah. I can see both sides. Yeah. It's really complicated. It's like super complicated. As I've been researching this, I found myself kind of agreeing with both sides and not really knowing where I stand. Yeah. But we have to explore what Caroline had to say in response to this essay from Natalie. Please. As you can imagine, she had quite a lot to say. And as we know, she said quite a lot of it on Instagram before we'd even read the piece. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) So in one of those Instagram posts before the essay was published, Caroline wrote, This afternoon I found out that one of the two people I have hurt most in this world will be publishing an essay about our friendship for the cut. I really wish I could quote all of these posts from Caroline, but she has archived all of them. We understand, Eilish. We're with you. So a piece in Vox actually caught the posts before she deleted them. Here's how they paraphrase these captions. Quote, in these posts, Callaway described Beach as a close friend who she met at a writing class at NYU before she transferred to Cambridge. Natalie was the best writer Callaway had ever known. And Calloway said she hurt Beach deeply when she was an active drug addict. And as a form of repayment, she wanted to make Beach's essay about their relationship into the biggest deal she possibly could. Calloway was also, she added, deeply hurt by the idea of a former best friend betraying her confidence. But that was okay. She deserved it. Wow. I really like that quote where she's talking about how she deserved it because it actually does a really good job of highlighting Caroline's indulgent public self-flagellation. Yeah, it's like a there is a lot of power in people preemptively admitting to a mea culpa before someone mm-hmm. else accuses them of it. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really, really interesting PR strategy. I'm obsessed with how hard she went before the essay was published in trying to shape the story in a way that she wanted it to be read 
even though she had no control over really what the essay included. Yeah, fuck. This also makes me think that, yes, she did really strongly promise that Natalie was owed money that she never saw. So now I may be, I'm, I'm on the fence. <laughs> After Natalie's essay was finally published, Caroline continued this relentless posting. As per Vox, quote, since the essay dropped, Callaway has updated her Instagram's main feed more than two dozen times and shows no sign of stopping. Mostly, she's posting screen caps of the old posts Beach worked on and adding Beach's name to the captions. She says it's a relief to give these captions the credit they deserve. (laughs) Okay. But Caroline wouldn't just respond and react in real time on Instagram. She had a much larger project in the works, a broad sweeping essay in three parts that she apparently worked on for months after Natalie's essay ran. So in April 2020, about seven months after Natalie's essay was published, Caroline published I Am Caroline Calloway behind a $10 paywall on her website. According to Caroline, 100% of the proceeds from this paywall was donated to Direct Relief, a nonprofit that provides doctors and first responders with medical supplies in the fight against COVID-19. And this seems to be true. Okay. I read the whole thing and honestly, much of it is a memoir. Nice. And also, spoiler, but a lot of it is included in her book. Ah, a resourceful queen we Mm -hmm. love. It's a pretty good read. Caroline can write, like I said before. And she has a very interesting life and a very interesting approach to the world. Mm -hmm. So let me try and summarise this essay. (laughs) God bless you. You're really (laughs) doing all the work for us and we really greatly appreciate it. (laughs) So Caroline wrote about her childhood her experiences with depression from a young age and meeting Natalie at the NYU creative nonfiction class. She also wrote about her complicated relationship with her father, who suffered from mental illness. Quote, Even as my father spent extravagantly on me, I still felt like he owed me. What I wanted was for him to meet my emotional needs, and what I got was a studio downtown and a bunch of cashmere hand-me-downs. Caroline admitted that she was a shitty friend. She says, I was unreliable, unreachable, preoccupied, I lied, even more than I cared to realise, since so often I was lying not on purpose but by omission. I was good in an emergency because my life was one long emergency and I saw other people's as a chance to pick up the slack on the workaday friend duties I sucked at. Isn't she a beautiful writer? (laughs) Yeah, and also there's something so bloody endearing about a liar admitting that they're a liar. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's such an embarrassing, shameful thing to do that apparently we all do on average six times a day. Mm. But for someone to admit that, yeah, they actually do have a habit of lying, there's something really likeable about that. Yes. So Caroline admitted to buying 40,000 Instagram followers as soon as she downloaded the app for the first time. Quote, Natalie said she only edited these Instagram captions, but I think she deserves credit for co-writing them. And who consumed these sentences we collaborated on? 40,000 bots. (laughs) (laughs) You're kidding. (laughs) Oh, my God. She admitted to buying 40,000. Yeah. She also admitted to purchasing likes and (gasps) more followers. How many likes did she say? She does say the numbers. I don't have them right here, but 40,000 was the first batch that she bought. Caroline has used this to her advantage when Instagram is still very new. And she admits to all of this. She says, I bought likes, I bought followers. But she also shares her strategy at this time. She bought Mm. lots of ads with smaller creators Mm. who felt bad about taking her money because doing that was so new. Like she was 
the first person to give money to smaller creators to promote her account. Clever. So those 300,000 Instagram followers that she did end up with, the vast majority of them were real. Yeah. But there was at least 40,000, definitely more, that were fake. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. So she was doing all of this. She was doing all of this while she was spiraling in her personal life due to her growing addiction to Adderall and her dwindling money. She shared that her father was in hundreds of thousands of dollars of credit card debt after paying for her education. She also cryptically shared in this essay that she was still under contract with Flatiron Books. Quote, I have to tread lightly and lyrically in this paragraph because Flatiron Books owns everything that happened to me at Cambridge. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Sure. Caroline told the entertaining story of how she got signed by her literary agent by tricking his secretary into believing that she had an appointment with him. She was also adamant that Natalie had nothing to do with her rise to influence her fame or getting the book deal in the first place. I believe that. Yeah, I believe that too. Quote, Then Natalie helped me write a book proposal for a book that clearly isn't responsible for my fame since it doesn't fucking exist and never will. She never spoke to my real audience, nor did she make the business decisions that built it. The press ran wild with this idea that Natalie was the brains behind the operation because a pretty face is nothing without someone to mind its algorithms, quote Mm. NBC News. But I handled all of the outward-facing publicity stuff. And for two periods of three months over the past nine years, that's all written in capital letters, we split the writing between us 50-50. Half her words, half mine, the legal documents Natalie and I signed weren't even a ghostwriter's contract but a collaborator's agreement because we were collaborating. So there was a contract. Okay. Caroline wrote that she and Natalie were an incredible writing team, making up for each other's faults and platforming each other's strengths like any good collaborative partnership. She attempted to explain why she had been completely incapable of writing her book after she secured the deal, citing her addiction and depression. Quote, it wasn't that I couldn't write that book. I didn't want to. Life was already so not worth living. I just couldn't imagine how I could go on if I had to spend the rest of my days fielding fans who adored a version of me that didn't exist signing copies of a memoir that wasn't even about me. After the entire deal collapsed, Caroline wrote about how she gave up Adderall for good and attempted to reach out to Natalie to rekindle their friendship, which Natalie did not want to do. Caroline shared emails from around this time, which was about April 2018. Mm. And finally, we come full circle and arrive back to Natalie's 2019 essay for The Cut. Caroline shared the email that Natalie sent her to give her a heads up about the essay, which came out of the blue because Natalie didn't want to be friends with Mm -hmm. Caroline anymore, and took issue with the fact that Natalie's essay did not include a quote-unquote fair portrayal of Caroline's addiction. Caroline says, I'm not saying my addiction or depression discounts the pain I cause Natalie. Her pain is real and I take full responsibility for that. But the sicknesses that almost killed me, addiction and depression, are real too. And they deserve to live side by side with her pain in any honest retelling of our friendship, of the truth. A significant part of Caroline's essay was dedicated to her father, who really, really sadly and tragically took his own life about four days after Natalie's essay was published. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're kidding. It's horrific. It's really, really sad. Oh, shit. So Caroline wrote about her fractured relationship with him, her grief and confusion about his death, and the timing so unfortunately intertwined with the publication of Natalie's essay. (sighs) So at this moment, we have to fast forward to July 2023. (laughs) When? 
Not quite coincidentally, Natalie and Caroline both released their own memoirs. Oh, Natalie did as well. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay, what was it called? It was called Adult Drama. A review of the two books published in The New Yorker gave a succinct recap of the events that occurred after Natalie's essay was published. The two women became, as Beach later put it, the main characters of the internet. I would argue, just side note, that Caroline was the main character of the internet. Yeah, I forgot Natalie's name. According to Calloway, Beach sold her article's rights to the television writer Ryan Murphy. That's another thing. Oh, shit. Yep. Caroline told everybody that... Natalie had approached her about a deal to Ryan Murphy about their story. Again, too much for this episode to get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beach then fell out of the spotlight, but Calloway remained in the search bar. As she writes, the rule for surviving cancellation is the same as that for surviving a riptide. Follow the current. Name your next book scammer. After several delays... (laughs) a lot of delays, Caroline's self-published memoir scammer was finally printed and ready to mail out. Self-published, not under Flatiron. Yeah, no. Interesting. You know how she paid back her Flatiron deal? With the events. Kind of. She sold an oil, a homemade oil called Snake Oil on her website. Beautiful, very nice, yep. She sold tarot cards that showed herself as the scammer. Oh, my God, love it. In the style of, like, a traditional tarot card. (laughs) And she also joined OnlyFans (sighs) and sold photos of herself dressed as sexy literary characters. Oh, my God. (laughs) You've got to give it to her. Gal's creative. Gal's got ideas. Exactly. (laughs) As per The New Yorker, what was it that ultimately kicked Calloway's ass into gear? She had discovered that Beach was shopping around a proposal for a nonfiction book of her own. Caroline says, over my fucking dead goddamn body would Natalie put out a book before I did. Mm. It seems that Beach finally got Calloway to produce something, just not in the way she intended. (laughs) Now I'm going to take Stranger Than Fiction into a bit of a different place. We're going to go behind the scenes. Hell yeah, we are. We're breaking that fourth wall, baby. Yes. I always try to read the books that I talk about on this podcast (laughs) because it's all part of the research process and transparently... Getting my hands on these books, Scammer by Caroline Calloway and Adult Drama by Natalie Beach, has been a long, very long (laughs) and very difficult process. When we're talking long, how long? Months. Since August 2023. Oh, my God. I've been trying to get both of them. Both of them? Yes. This is what I'm talking about. Okay. So, first of all, Adult Drama by Natalie Beach. This book has either not been released in Australia or has had a really limited run. Either way, I could not get a copy. <laughs> I also couldn't even get a copy of the audiobook. Yeah, because I was going to say, audiobook or ebook? Girl, no. I've been there. I've been there. Wow. Tried it. Couldn't get my hands on it. Why? I don't know. Okay. Because normally audiobooks, you can get them anywhere. I'm not, I honestly don't know what's happened. Is Natalie Brigg on socials? Has she got like an no. Instagram? Oh, okay. No, yeah. no. Okay. So I emailed Natalie's publisher for help on this, but I also haven't heard anything back. I'm okay. <laughs> <Time> recording. <laughs> okay. So I couldn't read that book. I couldn't even read a snippet. Which brings us to Caroline's book, Scammer. What a journey, a quest that has been. Yeah. <laughs> In August 2023, I ordered a quote, luxury first edition of Caroline Calloway's self-published debut memoir from her website for over $100 US. Oh, yes. Of 
transparently your money. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. But you know what? I am happy on behalf of Shameless Media. I am happy to donate that 100 and something dollars to the deluxe version of Scammer. Where is it? Is it rocked up? Great question. This was about $150 Australian. (laughs) At the time of recording, I have not received this book. And funnily enough, it's not the most money we've ever spent on a book for this uh, media yeah. company. We did spend $330 on a Drew Barrymore book. Which did show up. That did show up after a month or two, but this is now, we're verging into many months yeah. and no physical copy of Scammer. No physical copy of Scammer. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I will update this episode recording if by the time it comes out, I've received the book, I'll let you know. Babe, I don't think that's going to I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> because Caroline's book is self-published, there is literally only one way to get it, and it is directly from America. <laughs> I appreciate that shipping a book from the US to Australia can take time, so I DM'd her on Instagram telling her who I was, who I worked for, what I was trying to do, and asking for a PDF copy of the book. So I slid into her DMs more times than I care to admit, <laughs> growing more and more obsessed with getting a response Each time I wrote her a message that opened with, hey, queen, or (laughs) hi again, lovely. Eventually, she did respond to me. Hell yeah. She gave me her phone number so I could reach her more easily. (laughs) She was like, that's not what I want. Like if I'm DMing someone for them to just send me the product and they just go, hey, babe, here's my number. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just send me the book. I've also felt like entitled maybe is the wrong word, but I had bought the book. So I was like, can I just have a copy of the PDF? $150 later, like literally fucking give us anything. I just want to research. I want to read your book, please. You know? So she gave me her number. So I texted her a lot. I was just asking for a PDF version of the book. (laughs) You spent $150. I spent so much money. So I could prepare for this episode. I couldn't go into this episode not having read either of the books. (laughs) I gave up on asking for the delivery status of the physical copy sometime around like 15 left on red messages ago. She has never responded to any of my texts. She's left them all on red. She has a red receipt song. And it's like, okay, fine. (laughs) She never responded to any of my texts. So I waited in vain for the physical copy to arrive like a lonely wife waiting for her (laughs) husband to return from the war. About a week out from this recording, while watching Caroline's Instagram stories, like I always do, I noticed she was directing all business inquiries to a new agent, so I emailed him. So to cut a long story short, I did get a PDF version of Scammer, watermarked and everything. Weirdly, it turned out that getting a copy of Scammer was easier than getting a copy of Adult Drama. (laughs) (laughs) But also, also we cannot ignore the very meta detail that she did call it Scammer. Yes. And- you know what? She did scam us out of $150. Literally. For a, what I'm seeing is a bound version of the, I'm guessing what you got printed at Office Works, maybe. I did again. Thank you, Shameless Media. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it should have cost us $14 or like $20 for an ebook. She, she told us who she is yes. and we should have believed it. Exactly. So I did read Scammer. I did not read Adult Drama. In my opinion, Caroline's book is actually quite good. Scammer is at its strongest, I believe, when Caroline's writing about her relationship with her father and her addiction and what it was like to lose her father at such a chaotic time in her life. She really is a beautiful writer Mm. in those spaces. But to be real, no book is ever going to live up to the hype that surrounds Scammer. And Caroline is, above almost anything else, a hype master. Mm. It worked on me. It all worked on me. I 
desperately want this book. I want the luxury <laughs> first edition of Scammer. I dove headfirst into the unbearable feeling of being left unread by her over and over. <laughs> and I kept going back for more, just for the sliver of a chance that she might reply this time. I built Scammer up in my mind as this amazing puzzle that I really wanted to solve. When ultimately, Caroline was just doing exactly what she told us she would do the entire time, which was obviously scamming. Yeah. And when it came to which book interested me the most, which book was I willing to fight for, (laughs) to pay over $150 for and never receive, (laughs) and then lovingly print and bind the PDF copy for, for another $60? (laughs) Again, sorry. (laughs) Scammer, of course. When I found out I couldn't get Natalie's book, I wasn't repeatedly DMing her on Instagram for a copy. (laughs) Didn't even occur to me to do that. Natalie's book, for what it's worth, has had middling reviews. Most people acknowledge that she is a skilled writer, but perhaps due to her self-deprecating style or the way in which her profile was raised through an essay all about Caroline, she stands perpetually in Caroline's shadow. Mm. Bit of a trap of her own making. Yeah. I'd really like to finish this episode with a quote from Scammer by Caroline Calloway. In this quote, she's talking about the period after the failure of her creativity workshops and she has just received that heads up email from Natalie about the cut essay. She writes, If Natalie wanted to make me go viral as a scammer again, then I'd make such a storm online that she'd never be able to escape the curse of my name. The name she sold out for $5,000 and a byline with the cut. After all, the cruelest thing I could do to her she'd already done to herself. She'd made me the main character of her life while she'd only ever been a supporting one in mine. It's a cage she built and climbed inside without me. And now I'd turn the lock. Oh (laughs) my God. Slay. (laughs) So good. Honestly, after all I've been through with Caroline... After watching her from that creativity workshop saga to trying to get the book to researching this entire episode and going down the rabbit hole that is her life, I love her. Yeah. It's scary. I don't know how this happened to me. (laughs) Who am I? I I don't love her. I am enraptured by her, Mm -hmm. though, and I am fascinated and I'm on board and I care. So that's it. Eilish. <laughs> Thank you. What a roller coaster. What a level of investment on your part to bring this to life. I mean, my part, but also Shameless Media's part. Shameless Media's bank account's part. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. And <laughs> it's worth it. I think we've all we can all agree, all the listeners at home and I can agree. Worth it. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit follow on the Shameless Book Club's podcast feed and all over socials. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for joining me, Michelle. Yay! Thank you so much. I am obsessed with this. Guys, we, we'll be back. You'll be back with Stranger Than Fiction next month. But, mm-hmm. of course, another book club episode will be dropping soon. So thanks for supporting us. Thank you. Bye. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. 
Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.